This is a Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. Thanks for coming today. This is, uh, this is ACT OUT 2013, a service learning and volunteer fair. Um, I just wanted to thank, thank everybody for coming here. I'll tell you a little bit about the program real quick and then uh, introduce uh, a speaker that we have today that we're very lucky to have. Um, so ACT OUT is an education through action project brought to you by uh, my composition students as well as students from uh, American History with Mary Fafleis, Tamara Coleman-Hill, uh, Honors Composition, Emmanuel Oswaz, uh, Composition, and Kevin Navratil, Political Science. Class, uh, students in these classes have, uh, have been researching, studying, and doing uh, something about um, environmental, social justice, and humanitarian concerns this semester uh, in partnership with local not-for-profit organizations, many of whom you see here today. Uh, ACT OUT is the culmination of a semester's wor uh, worth of work, and it is an act of service in and of itself, as we hope uh, this volunteer fair serves um, our communities by bringing attention to the causes represented at this event and inviting everyone to get involved to act out in positive and sustainable ways. We've got a lot going on here today, so I hope you take it all in. Just real quick, I want to give you a quick rundown of what we've got. Of course, we have all of our, uh, our great nonprofits here with information tables within the library and outside of the library. Mixed in with that, we've got students showcasing their service learning experiences from the semester. Uh, we also have um, some visual projects put together by Amani Wazwaz's students entitled Images of Destruction and Images of Hope. We see them in the glass display case on the display cubes over there and on easels throughout the, throughout the space here today. Behind me we, have, uh, we will have soon uh, some video projects running, um, video profiles of local activists as well as a compilation of videos showcasing global NGOs uh, working around the world. So when you have time, uh, pop into one of these two glass rooms once they begin and you'll see these rolling videos which are quite amazing. So without further ado, I'd like to uh, introduce to you our first speaker, a featured speaker today. Jody Lefring is a regional volunteer coordinator with the American Red Cross Greater Chicago Region. After graduate school, she began as an intern working for the working for the Service to the Armed Forces program, assisting with emergency communications, military family follow-ups, grant writing, and Red Cross partnerships with local VA hospitals. She also served as Disaster Action Team volunteer, both locally responding to home fires and nationally for Hurricane Isaac in August 2012. She has worked in volunteer resources with the American Red Cross since October 2011 and helps to recruit and place volunteers, which comprise 97% of the American Red Cross workforce. So uh, without further ado, I would like to introduce with great pleasure Jody Lightfring. Hello. Thank you guys so much for coming today and to all the organizations. I work in volunteer resources, so volunteering is something I'm very passionate about and truly believe in. So I hope to tell you more about my organization, but it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, and that's fine. So luckily you have options all around, just in case. He gave me a pretty good introduction, so I'd like to start with a volunteer video just to kind of give you an overview. Are most of you pretty familiar with what the Red Cross does? Show of hands-ish. A lot of people might think 
blood services, you see blood drives, or maybe the big disasters, but we do have some other focus areas, so hopefully you'll know a little bit more by the end of the presentation. So with that said, here is the video. It's a great honor to be of service. It really makes me feel fulfilled and that I'm providing a good service to the community. You walk away with an unbelievable feeling that I really helped these people. I really touched somebody's life today. It all comes back down to people. We forget that we're all connected in one way or, or the other. I feel good. Yeah. I feel very good. United, we really have power. I like seeing people realize that, oh, I can swim. I can do this. I need to know that I'm doing more than just taking care of myself. Well, I recently retired from uh, local government. I was looking for a, um, an outlet to uh, help people. I thought Red Cross was the best place to go to lend my services, to lend my heart. Something that fills me fuels me every day. Frequently people think of the big national disasters, Katrina or the earthquakes, the tsunamis, um, but they don't think about the day-to-day -day needs of people in our own community. In Chicago there are over a thousand fires every year and we have help with people getting back on their feet. We all have the same goals, same motives. We're definitely Forging relationships together. I love working with my community and things like this. The ordinary people that put themselves out there every day who are so selfless and can accomplish so much. Some people said, uh, how do you do it or why do you do it? I was like, something tells me to do it because uh, my father died because uh, he had uh, uh, a heart attack. And that was seven years ago. and. Uh, there was no one there to help him, to provide CPR, to provide what he needed. That motivated me to uh, take training, to prepare myself, and uh, to motivate other people to be prepared. We never know what is going to happen to us, and uh, we need to be prepared. I always had this picture of the Red Cross as a place you could get coffee and donuts when there was a, you know, a big fire or something like that. That's just picture of this donut truck. They, they help in so many different ways. When you see the smiles on people's faces after you've come and helped them, it's, it makes it all worth it. At some point during it, if there's a child involved, give them a teddy bear. And mothers always cry and there's always lots of hugs. And the kids just latch onto the teddy bear and never let go. It should make you just feel good inside. Everybody that was affected had a story. Oh, I have lots of stories. It was the day before we were closing the shelter. I was leaving for the day, and one of the girls um, started crying. I was only working in that shelter for two weeks, but in that time, forming that bond with, with those, the, the children there, that made me feel complete. A woman who had come through the Red Cross to uh, Chicago, I happened to get the call. Can you help me find my family, my children? They've been hiding out in a church, I think, for a year in Congo. They went to the Cameroons and they were found there. And I had a blood transfusion and that just inspired me to do blood drives. Um, there were people there that I, I would have trusted with my life after just 
you know, a week of being with her. And all of a sudden she's hugging me and saying, oh my God, oh my God. That's how we get paid. It's very, very, I, I get emotional when I talk about it now. And they give amazing service to 500,000 families. I mean, that's just unbelievable. With people who've never done this before or never been trained, um, and they're only going to be there for a few weeks, and by the time they really learn what they're doing, they're gone, and here comes another rookie. But it's efficient, and it's effective, and it's, it's, I think it's kind of miraculous that it, that it works as well as it does. No, I don't consider myself a hero. I just consider myself person who's compassionate. Makes me feel I'm making a difference in people's lives. This is definitely a lifetime thing. The Red Cross and I, <laughs> it's going to be a long marriage. <laughs> when I see the cross, I know that they're there to save someone's life. When you have no one to turn to, there's going to be someone there for you. If you can get to that symbol, you're going to be safe. There's some good being done when you see this Red Cross. There isn't another feeling in the world. I feel like I'm safe, like I'm secure. I feel it's just so important and, and not known by enough people. All right, so that touched on a few of the services, but just to start, our mission is to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies with the power of our volunteers, which he mentioned was 97% of the organization. So with only 3% paid staff, you can imagine how much these volunteers are actually doing. And another common misconception, we are not government funded. We are independent. So every dollar that we're able to give to these families is through donations. So that's pretty incredible as well. I'm sure during Superstorm Sandy, you saw all the commercials and, you know, text 90999 to Red Cross, so we are very appreciative of our volunteers and donors. We have fundamental, fundamental principles, excuse me. So humanity, impartiality, we are neutral, we are independent, we believe in voluntary service, we're universal, and we are united. So any country you go to, you're going to see that Red Cross or Red Crescent Society. The services may vary a little country to country, but overall you know that the work is being done. And to touch on the international movement, so we have two major structures, the Federation of the Red Cross, which we're a chapter of, so every country has one. My coworker is from Ethiopia in her country. They're the EMT ambulance service. Here we have some different service areas. So that's why it can be tricky to send volunteers overseas for, you know, Haiti, Japan, but that's the community that we're a part of. And then the Committee of the Red Cross is a separate independent organization headquartered in Switzerland. And they're the ones that really make sure prisoners of war are being taken care of. And it's a little bit different than what we do locally. Um, there are three symbols. People often think that the cross had a religious affiliation, but it's really just the inversion of the Swiss flag, because our founder was Swiss. So in Muslim countries, they wanted the red crescent, and that's fine. So that means the same thing as the red cross. And then um, the crystal, if any other country wants to put a different symbol in it, that makes them more comfortable, it's fine. But if you see those, it's all the same organization, just varies per country. Um, so your Red Cross, this is the greater Chicago region. So we cover 13 counties. We have three in Indiana and 10 in Illinois. So really, if you live in any of these, there's work that needs to be done. Um, we do have regional offices, but our headquarters is in the medical district downtown. 
So if you were to do an internship, that's most likely where you would be. And the American Red Cross focuses on five service areas. Our disaster team. So you think about the big national disasters, but was anyone here affected by flooding recently or saw it in the news? It actually got a national disaster response from the Red Cross. So we had people flown in throughout the country to help, which hasn't happened in, I think, over a decade here. We're pretty safe. But as mentioned in the video, we do go to about three to four fires every day. I know that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, like a tsunami or an earthquake, but it's really a life-changing event when a family loses everything. Your pictures are gone, your clothes, your memories, same as if a tsunami had hit. So we go to about three to four of those a day. Our blood services team provides about 40% of the nation's blood supply, and that's all through blood donations. It's one of the easiest ways to give back if you're eligible to donate. One pint can save three lives. I was a little afraid myself until I worked here, and then I didn't have an excuse, so I gave blood, and I've been doing it every 56 days. It does not really hurt. And a lot of people are ineligible for, from travel or any reason, but you can still encourage others to donate. Our preparedness, health, and safety are the folks that teach CPR, first aid, lifeguarding, water safety. We have pet first aid for cats and dogs, if you're big animal lovers, um, and babysitter training. And then our service to the Armed Forces team and international teams, people know a little bit less about. The military, what we do for them, if someone's deployed and they need to get home for any emergency, whether it's a sick relative or a child about to be born, they're going to know about it. We have cell phones and Skype. But to get through the red tape and get their commander to release them, they need a Red Cross message. People don't often know that, so we try to get the word out and let people know. And we support our VA hospitals as well locally. And then internationally, as I mentioned, because it varies, we don't really send anyone from Chicago overseas, but we do have a tracing program that was kind of alluded to in the video. If someone is separated by any kind of war, political conflict, humanitarian crisis, and they think some of their family made it here, we can look them up and try to reunite them. We still have quite a few Holocaust cases, which is pretty interesting. Just got a few from Syria. So it's just another way that we help out that people aren't necessarily aware of. And then we do have high school and college clubs. So they're really great at fundraising, and we raise money for measles vaccinations that we send typically to Africa and Asia. So just to kind of get into a little bit more about disaster, if you were interested in volunteering, all the people in that video are from Chicago, greater Chicago region. It was made at our headquarters. And we train you. You don't have to be an EMT or a doctor to do this. Um, we ask you to be on call for four hours a week. You can pick your schedule, so maybe Saturdays you don't have class or any activities, 6 to 10 a.m. Pick your four hours. Something happens, we'll give you a call. You go right to the scene, and you're able to give that family or individual a debit card with money for food, shelter, and clothing. So you know because you took the time to go out, you really were able to help them. If you don't want to do the weekly commitment, our mass care team comes into gear when there's a large disaster like the flooding. We open shelters to be more cost effective. So we need volunteers to help set up cots, get food there, talk to the kids, you know, maybe do a coloring book with them or give them a teddy bear and talk to them. So the mass care team asks for, I think, a monthly commitment of on-call. So you choose one day a month. If something happens, great, you're there. If not, you're kind of off the hook that month. So it is doable with a normal schedule as well. Um, we have disaster health and mental health as well. That is professional, so clinical social workers, professional counselors. So we have the resources. If you get to a scene and you see that family is really upset, we can call. We have them ready to go. 
Same with health. If they're diabetic and all of their medication got burned or if they need eyeglasses, we can replace those. So a lot of services that people don't understand completely. And then the dispatcher, who actually is behind the scenes with the computer activating the debit card, making sure you made it to the scene, that's a volunteer too. So if you prefer the behind the scenes side, that's a great way to be involved as well. With our blood, um, as I mentioned, the donation, but we also have blood drives. So if you wanted to host one here or at a church or anywhere else that you know of, we need help greeting the donors, registering them, making sure they get that juice and cookies after so they don't faint on us. So um, that's another way to be involved. And redcrossblood.org is the best place to go if you're interested in donating. So please check that out. And then all of these courses as well are available through our website. Um, you can get a group together and probably get a group rate CPR if you're interested, but um, you never know when you're going to need this. Fortunately, nothing's happened to me, but I know handfuls of people that have come across situations where they've used their CPR and saved lives. So it's an easy way to kind of stay involved. Also, lifeguarding is kind of a fun summer job, so if anyone is interested in that, we can certify you. Oops, sorry. And then I talked about this a little bit. Volunteer-wise, we do a lot of presentations and outreach, so hosting informational booths like this at deployment events, letting the families know what number to call if they need us. Um, we also have casework, so I volunteer to do that still since I interned in this department. But you just call up the family, make sure, did they get home? Did everything go okay? Can we close out your case? Um, so I think it's a great program. Working with the VA hospitals is a lot of fun, too. In the summer, they do a lot of car shows. Um, just even speaking with them is pretty moving. They have two large um, homeless veteran events a year called Stand Down that we help with through the VA hospital. So if you're interested in that, you can do it through us as well. And then internationally, we kind of talked about this as well, but the Restoring Family Links program is the one where we hunt people down really to reunite them with their families. Um, we have two volunteers that do it right now. They do a great job. They come in Wednesday nights and they do all the paperwork through National. So all of these jobs are volunteer-based, too. And then if you're kind of just looking for more fun, like any nonprofit, we do fundraise. So our special events include a golf outing every year coming up on June 10th. Our Heroes Breakfast we just had, and we were able to raise just under a million dollars by honoring local firemen, nurses, heroes in the community, which was pretty great. And then we have Run Red Team. If you like doing marathons or want to help with Shamrock Shuffle, we always have a team in there. And then we have young adult mixers called Flirting for Disaster throughout the year as well. So those are always fun. They're usually at a pretty cool location and great way to raise money and get people involved. And then we do have our Auxiliary Board Society. So that's kind of our youth board, which is a great way to kind of stay involved and get to know a lot of other volunteers and board members. Also, Red Cross clubs, um, if you know anyone, high school or here or other colleges that want to start one, typically we'll ask for one blood drive and to raise money for that measles vaccination. So it's not a huge commitment, but the more we can start them and get them set up, the better off we are. They're very easy to start. I believe you just need a faculty member and some friends that will be officers. So if you're interested in that, I have a table out here too. And then we do have internships. Um, we just closed our summer ones, but fall should be opening in a month or two. But every program that we talked about has one, including PR, marketing as well. So even if you're not a disaster junkie or want to do blood drives, 
there are a lot of opportunities to kind of get that professional experience. We have accountants. We have everything that a normal company would have. So please check those out. Um, a lot of them do lead to careers. I ended up there from interning. Also, because we have so many volunteers, they come from different backgrounds. We have doctors, lawyers, you know, social workers, construction workers. So any kind of career, there's 2,000 volunteers that you can network with. So I recommend that as well. And then in addition to just going to all these disasters, we try to prevent them too. So we look at the zip codes that may have had a higher rate of fire or that are prone to flooding. And we'll try to go there beforehand and give them safety information and tips. So sometimes we'll go right into the home and say, oh, you have this really close to the stove. We should probably move that and do the like, in-home visit. We have safety fairs like this. And sometimes we just leave door hangers to let people know some easy ways to prevent what can be a really big tragedy. And then we also do these Be Red Cross Ready presentations, which I'll kind of tell you a little bit about. So any disaster, we tell people to get a kit. Do you guys have any ideas what might go in your disaster kit? Yeah. Defibrillator? Yeah, definitely. And we try to have those in all gyms and schools as well. So this is something that's right by your front door that you can grab on your way out. What would you need for, you know, two to three days if you had to leave your home and everything was gone? Water, absolutely. Any Food. And first aid kit, absolutely. And with food, one thing we tell people is to remember to put a can opener in there because if you have all this canned food and then you can't open it, it's not going to be too helpful. Um, anything else that you guys can think of? Yes. Yes, chargers, and also some battery-operated radios in case networks are down. Um, we tell people to have lists of emergency contact info in case your iPhone's dead and you don't know your grandparents' number by heart. Um, medications, list of contacts. Also a little bit of cash, just because if ATM machines are down or water's covering them, you won't be able to get a lot of food that way either or anything you need. And we tell people to call someone locally and out of state. I don't know if you guys have ever been at a big football game, maybe a Bears game, where your cell phone, you can't get a call out. In these disasters, that happens. So sometimes it's easier to call someone that might be in Ohio than in Chicago. So think about that as well and have your family know that we're going to touch base with this relative in Ohio so that they all know we're safe. Um, flashlights, we say duct tape and plastic just in case to keep hazards out. Um, you can buy them online or you can put one together. Most of this stuff is in your house now. You just have to get it in one place. So, and you always want to make sure it's kind of out the door, yeah. Yep, yep. And we do um, have that. We recommend flashlights though because sometimes the matches or fire can lead to a fire that might cause a secondary disaster. So we have glow sticks typically that we'll recommend or the flashlights. Um, we've had some where fire has been the secondary disaster and then it just kind of goes from there. Anything else that you guys can think of or? Sleeping bags, just to make you more comfortable. Um, toiletries, do any of you guys have pets? Stuff for your pets, you know, they need water and food too, so kind of thinking of them when you plan for your disasters as well. And then we want everyone to have a plan. So for fires, a lot of times it's talking to your family about 
where are we going to meet? You know, and we like it to be a 24-hour place that is heated in the winter or cool in the summer. If it's across the street, maybe there was a huge apartment fire and you can't go across the street. So somewhere walking distance that you all know to meet up and how to get out of your home. So does anyone here have a plan of how to get out of where you live now or any ideas of what you do? I know it's hard sometimes. Absolutely. So he said front door, back door, windows. So there's a lot of good ways to get out, but in a crisis mode, you're panicked. So just to kind of have that automatic plan and go over it with the people you live with, because I know a lot of times people go back in for pets or back in for family members, and they're already outside safe, and it can lead to more disaster, of course. So we always want people to have a plan and to share it and practice it. And then stay informed. So we have a lot of great apps. We have a first aid app. We have a shelter app that you can all download um, on Google or iPhone. And the shelter, when you hit it, shows you where everything is so you'd know, oh, there's one set up at university. I can go there to be safe from this flooding. Um, we have a first aid one that's actually, I think, saved a couple lives, and people have told us. They just had it on their phone and didn't know what to do, and they looked it up quick. So even if you didn't have time to take the class, you can kind of cheat on your phone. Um, but like I said, what if... The outlets are underwater, or what if you can't do that? We like to have that battery-powered radio so you can listen to the local weather channels. And do you guys know the difference between watches and warnings and all that good stuff? And just kind of pay attention. Like, when it comes on TV in the corner, you're kind of like, oh, it's in my way of my show. But <laughs> definitely look at those because they are helpful and they are for a reason. Um, let's see. So if you want to get started, that's the direct link to the volunteer application. Because volunteers are really becoming unpaid staff members, it is a little bit lengthier of a process, but not really at all. It's all online. We do background check our volunteers since you're going into people's homes. Um, but typically, you'll do these steps. I'll give you a call or one of the volunteers that helps me. We'll do a quick phone interview just to make sure you find something that you like. And then you're kind of getting started. So I have a table out there that has all this information as well. But it's a really great online system that Granger donated to us. So it's all right there. You can kind of mark your progress. And then once you're in there, we have newsletters, so it's really easy to stay engaged with us. And I don't know. I see one person writing it, but I'll just leave it over there a little longer. But like I said, everything's out there, too. And then if you're interested in internships, my um, colleague Laura Trejo handles most of those. Like I said, we just closed out our summer, but um, fall will be coming up. It's a 300-hour commitment, so you can do it over a course of three, four months. They like you to be there 10 hours a week at least just to kind of get the most out of the experience. And you can do it for school credit or you get a $500 travel reimbursement if you're not doing it for credit. So it's unpaid, but at least you might break even with getting to the office and back. And then for Red Cross Clubs, Sir Gute de Jenne handles all of our youth and young adult programs. So interested in anything with that, definitely jot down her info. She's the one I was talking about from Ethiopia, so she has some really cool Red Cross stories globally. And then this is my contact info and my managers. Do you guys have any questions about what the Red Cross does or any of the volunteer opportunities?
Great question. 91 cents of every dollar donated goes to the mission, which is really, really good in nonprofit standards. So we're pretty proud of that. Yes, absolutely. The question was if we sell disaster kits. And you can go to redcross.org and buy a T-shirt if you want to get our brand out. But they have pre-made backpacks with the water in it, sometimes the pills to make water safe to drink if you can't just have your kit on you. And kind of like the astronaut food is not it, too. It's not the best. So we want you to have stuff you like to eat in the kit, not just something that will keep you alive. <laughs> Did you have a question? He asked if there was any issues with communication internationally. And quite frankly, we really just focus on the American Red Cross, and we have a great national network, but we also work closely with Cruz Roja in Mexico and the Canadian Red Cross. Um, we have a great relationship internationally, too. We did send some nurses and mental health workers to Haiti and to Japan in the special instances, but it's a really global network, and you can go anywhere and walk into a Red Cross, and they know you're part of the Red Cross family, and We'll take something from you, you know, that says Chicago, and they'll give you something that says where their country is from. So good working relationships. But like I said earlier, that international committee is very different, and we don't interact with them as much just because they're doing kind of the wartime stuff, and it's all based in Switzerland. Anyone else? Wow, I must be pretty thorough. Um, like I said, I have that table here until 2, so if you think of any questions or just didn't want to ask them now, please, please come up to me then. Um, and that really concludes the presentation. Thank you so much for your attention and to everyone for being here. Thank you so much, Jody. Uh, that was uh, amazing. I really do appreciate it. Um, so as she said, she has a table here, and we have Many, many uh, wonderful uh, nonprofits here today to tell you all about what they do and how you can help. So please take it all in. I wanted also to say we have some uh, refreshments uh, over there on, in the, uh, on the wooden floor area over there uh, for all of our guests today. So please enjoy that. And, uh, yeah, mix and mingle. And we'll have a, another speaker at 11 o'clock. So be here for that as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.